0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: In the Antares galaxy, somewhere between the gas giant of Triangulum and the water world of Cetus, Earth Station 454 hung amongst the stars. A twisted city of grey metal floating in the void. For years it had been alone. It was not alone now.
0: Within its walls at the end of a long corridor lay a room the xenobotanist Arnold Biggs sat at the head. A wiry man in his mid-sixties, the distinguished professor surveyed the area ruefully before rising to his feet and starting to speak.
2: My friends and colleagues, this is a sad day for us all. After six years of positive and productive experimentation, exploration and cosmological cooperation, Our laboratories and research work are to be closed down with immediate effect. The reasons for this are not known. We have worked well, indeed, I would dare to say, happily together.
1: A twinkle appeared in his eyes and he continued his
2: speech with increasing vigour and energy. I intend that this should continue and I intend that this be but a short interval in the work we have been doing here. You can rest assured that On our return to Earth, I shall be seeking answers from our lords and masters on the Universal Council as to why this intermission has been imposed upon us. Thank you all."
1: He resumed his seat. As the sounds of the party filled the air around him, Biggs allowed himself the luxury of a smile.
0: On board the incredible time and space machine known as the TARDIS, the Doctor, the ship's vagabond pilot, and his two companions, Jamie McCrimmon and Zoe Harriet, were about to get something of a surprise. It wasn't long after lunch. The doctor had put the TARDIS into a holding pattern and retired for a postprandial nap. Zoe was clearing up. Since Jamie had been in charge of cooking, it was her turn to take on the temperamental vagaries of the galley's dishwasher as the machine was simultaneously way ahead of her time and astonishingly backward, this was harder than it might have immediately appeared. She stared at the dials and switches in their strange alien coding and tried to second-guess which buttons would actually clean a plate and which ones would jettison them all into the heart of a supernova.
1: Jamie, meanwhile, was alone in the control room A circumstance that was, strangely, something that rarely happened. He looked over the battery of blank screens and still dials. Even when they were active, they rarely meant much to him. Unlike Zoe, with her knowledge of particle physics and such, his scientific knowledge was scant. This was in part due to the fact that centres of advanced learning were as rare as elephants' footprints in the Scottish Highlands of the 18th century where he came from. But he had always been insatiably curious, which to an extent explained his present companionship with the Mercurial Doctor. he picked up as much as he could during his time in the TARDIS by watching his two friends, but most of the ship's functions were still as baffling to him as the dishwasher was to Zoe. He tried to gauge which switch would light up the screens that displayed the images from the external sensors and cameras. Until now, whenever he had attempted to touch any of the controls, the Doctor had always been on hand to say no. But the Doctor wasn't here now. Jamie's fingers hung lightly over the console. Surely there's no harm in just taking a wee peek. He turned the switch he thought the Doctor usually used and the screens and dials immediately leapt into life. But before he could be pleased with himself, he realised with horror that so too had the TARDIS itself. Oh, Crivens!
0: From the galley. Zoe recognised the familiar sounds of the TARDIS travelling and landing. But we shouldn't be landing yet. She abandoned her task and ran from the room. As the machine shuddered to a halt, she burst into the console room. Jamie! Jamie, what have you done? Uh, uh, Nothing. I just wondered if... um, Well, if you want to know the
1: truth, I've already forgotten what it was uh, I wondered the doctor peered through the interior doorway yawning and running a hand through his permanently messy hair Uh, what's going on Uh, Zoe have you been fiddling not me it it was me doctor you what were you trying to do I just wondered what was out there you know when we were not going anywhere so now you have allowed your curiosity to get the better of you um, what do you see Uh, nothing Uh, that is we seem to have landed in a Passage somewhere.
0: The scanner showed a bland, empty corridor. There were several closed exits leading off it and a large pair of opaque glass double doors at the far end.
1: There's no one about,
0: so could we go and explore? Hang on. There seems to be conflicting atmospheres here. Look at those pressure dials, Doctor.
1: Hmm. I, I think wherever we are it is under the gravitational influence of something larger or certainly something more powerful. Let us um, proceed with caution. Certainly, we shall explore. Come along. Pressing the door release, the Doctor led his two companions out into the well-lit, but very anonymous, passageway beyond.
0: Above Earth's space station 454, like some vast mother hen, hovered Rose Marinus, a huge satellite from the planet Rosa Damascena. On board, Colbert, the CEO from 454, was remonstrating with Commander Rugosa, the captain of Rose Marinus. Commander Rugosa, this is far outside any protocol that has been agreed between the galaxies, he shouted angrily. All guidelines state... The being opposite him waved a hand to silence the Earth official. Rugosa stood about six feet tall, and was covered in greeny-brown skin and warts, with a huge head somewhat out of proportion to the rest of his body. A strange-looking creature, for certain, but he nonetheless exuded the charisma of power.
3: Monsieur Colbert, you have to understand that we are only here for a very short time. Soon we must return to Rosa Damascena. It was imperative that Professor Biggs, the most eminent of xenobotanists, put his mind to our problem.
0: Colbert was not convinced. Why is it necessary to close us down? If, as you say, there is a plant problem, surely the sensible thing would be to bring the affected plants to us. Rogoza shook his head.
3: We have. The plants are in the Rosarium, but it would be impossible to bring them all into your small space station. There are rather a lot of them.
0: The large creature appeared to shrug.
3: Besides, they are always kept in specific conditions, and I doubt if you could replicate those in one of your little laboratories.
0: Colbert inhaled sharply in haughty dismay. Commander Hugoza, our laboratories are amongst the most advanced and the most sophisticated. They are specially adapted for intergalactic use. You may wish to denigrate our progress, but the Galaxy Beaters is hardly leading the field in research. "'Otherwise, why would you be here looking for our assistance?' "'He waved his hands in the air, dismissively. "'Oh, but that's beside the point. "'Much more serious is the fact that I was misled, "'or certainly misinformed, "'into believing that the closing down instructions "'for Earth Space Station 454 was an emergency, "'and that those orders came from Earth.' "'There was a pause as Commander Rogoza "'stared back at Colbert for a few moments.' seemingly trying to get the measure of him. Then the alien opened his arms, smiled, and spoke.
3: The orders did come from Earth, just via us. It is all agreed with your home world. That is why you are now docked in our arrivals bay. It was all to save time.
0: Colbert was not convinced. As the chief executive officer of ESS 454, I should have been informed ahead of time if systems were going to be bypassed in this fashion. Not just led up the garden path and presented with a fait accompli. It is totally unacceptable.
3: I am sorry that you are taking that line, Monsieur Colbert. And we regret that Professor Biggs is still at the Earth Station. Perhaps you would let me show you our rosarium so that when you bring Professor Biggs here, you can give him a fuller explanation as to why we need him and his staff.
0: Colbert didn't appear hugely swayed by the argument, but after a moment he shrugged and gave in. Oh, very well. But I assure you I shall be lodging the firmest of objections to this breach of procedures. They started ahead from the room. And remember, I am no botanist, so don't try and blind me with science. Keep it simple. Rogoza smiled.
3: But of course.
0: With a hand resting lightly on his back, Rogoza led Colbert from the room.
1: Meanwhile, the Doctor and his friends had already made some progress through the Earth Space Station. It appeared to be a deserted laboratory complex. They'd gone through several rooms, all filled with giant computers and technology, but they'd not seen a soul. Zoe looked at some of the computers curiously.
0: These devices all seem to be collecting data, but not processing it or transmitting it anywhere. It's all very odd.
1: Perhaps they abandoned ship for some reason.
0: Oh, like the Mary Celeste. The who? The Mary Celeste. It was an American sailing ship found abandoned in the Atlantic in the 1870s. No one ever knew what happened to the crew.
1: Ah, if you promise uh, never to reveal it, I, I can tell you what happened. You can? It was the Daleks. The Daleks? Not those nasty metal beasties again. Uh, Yes, they do uh, rather get around, I'm afraid, Jamie. Uh, They landed on the ship and killed everyone. Uh, Some crew were drowned, trying to get away, and the others were uh, exterminated. But why, Doctor? I'm sorry to say that the Daleks were looking for me at the time. The TARDIS and I just dropped in, but we had to drop out again pretty quickly.
0: You don't think the Daleks are here, do you?
1: I, I hope not. But if they were, I I think we'd have found one of their guards by now. And I can't believe they wouldn't leave cameras monitoring this place from every entry and every exit. No, uh, whatever's happened here is something quite different. Uh, Come along.
0: With a wave, the doctor called his friends after him, as he headed out of the room and towards the double doors at the end of the next corridor. After a precautionary pause, they went through them too and were immediately surprised by the sound of distant applause. So there are people here.
1: It would appear so. Let's find them.
0: They hurried off in the direction of the sound.
1: Heading off down a corridor, the doctor stopped at every junction and listened for the sounds once more. When satisfied he would gauged the direction the noise was coming from, he pointed down the branch he wanted his friends to follow and the process started again. After a few minutes, they reached the door behind which it seemed a party or meeting was taking place. Jamie turned to his friends. Well, what are you waiting for? He was all set for bursting straight through the doors but the doctor immediately held up a hand to stop him. We, um, we shouldn't just barge in, Jamie. We should always be polite.
0: As the doctor knocked, there was a sudden and complete silence from the room. Before the crew of the TARDIS could comment on this they heard a single set of footsteps approaching the door. It opened and there stood Professor Biggs. He looked at the trio sadly.
2: Is it time? Time for what? Haven't you come for me?
0: But there's no one else here. Behind Biggs she could see that the large room, seemingly so full of noise and people beforehand, was empty but for their new acquaintance as barren and deserted as the rest of the station. Haven't you come to collect me?
1: The time travellers were a little nonplussed. Eventually the doctor spoke. Uh, No, we were just passing and thought
2: the station was deserted. It is, except for me. Professor Arnold Biggs, Xenobotanist. I was just shutting down some experiments before departing like the rest of the crew. I was expecting a Frenchman called Colbert.
0: But we heard all that clapping.
2: Just a little vanity, my dear. I was saying a public farewell privately with the help of some old tapes. Come in. This is the common room.
1: Professor Biggs held the door open and led them through into the comfortable-looking room. After completing the introductions, the doctor asked him why the station
2: was deserted. Well, we've been closed down. It was rather sudden. No warning at all. The others have left already. They were picked up by a satellite yesterday. It's still there, waiting for me. I'm just staying here to mothball a few experiments. Generally ensure the laboratories are safe and ready to open again once the situation allows. And you've no idea at all what's caused this uh, hiatus? When these emergencies occur, ours is not to reason why, until we get back to base. I'm waiting for Colbert. He's the chief administrator of the space station. He's going to return and collect me.
1: Exactly what sort of experiments have you been
2: conducting? Are you interested in my work? Well, naturally. Uh, Xenobotany has always been something of a hobby of mine. Has it indeed? How marvellous. Well, of course I'll explain it then. I've been looking into how the wild rose... Within moments, he and the
1: Doctor were deep in discussion on the complexities of intergalactic botany and the diversity of plant life to be found across the universe. Long, complex mm-hmm. Latin words abounded and Jamie turned to glance at Zoe. Even she was looking lost. Have you got any idea what they're talking about?
0: It's well out of my field.
1: Hmm. Let's have a wee look round while we've the chance. I don't think they'll miss us.
0: I'm sure they won't.
1: Excuse me, uh, we won't be long. But the two scholarly gentlemen were so deep in discussion that they didn't even seem to notice the interruption. As they continued to talk, their two young friends nodded to each other and slipped quietly out of the door to further explore the living quarters of the station.
0: Back on Rose Marinus, Rogoza was showing Colbert the wonders of the Rosarium. It was a huge area given over to thousands of different roses. There were shrubs, bushes, trees, even ground cover types. Tea roses, floribundas and buttonhole varieties. There were flowers everywhere and the scent was unbelievable. Colbert was duly impressed. Oh. I'm overwhelmed. I've never seen anything like this. It is magnificent.
3: Why, thank you, Monsieur Colbert. But you must understand that our culture, indeed our very existence, is dependent upon roses. The life force in our veins is not blood as it is with you humans from Earth, but an icor, or as we prefer to think of it, rose life. Now, let me show you the plants which are causing us concern and for which we need the skills of your Professor Biggs.
0: He took Colbert by the arm, and led him to a section where a group of roses appeared to be waving in a breeze. Except there was no breeze. Is that alive? asked Colbert.
3: They move all the time and the scent has changed. Smell one of the flowers and you will understand better.
0: Colbert approached the waving plants, reached out and took one of the blooms. He put it to his nose and inhaled not noticing a briar from the plant wrapping itself round his arm as he did so. He flinched at the smell. Oh, it's disgusting! It has a sort of scent of decay, of rotting! Exactly. Colbert was suddenly aware that he was being overtaken by the rosefish. Commander! What is happening? It has hold of my arm! Another briar lashed out, thorns gripping at him, piercing the fabric of his uniform and sinking into his flesh. And it has taken hold of my leg. It is pulling at me. Commander, get me away from this plant. Do something. Ragoza stepped back, whilst Colbert struggled against the rose. It wrapped him tighter and tighter with its briars, pulling him ever closer to its heart. Ragoza shrugged.
3: What do you expect me to do?
0: Anything! Cut me free! These thorns are vicious. I can't pull myself away. You must help me.
3: But that would put us both in danger, Monsieur Colbert.
0: Rogoza shook his head and watched, as with a despairing shriek suddenly cut off, Colbert was engulfed by the rose.
3: I'm so sorry. But we really couldn't have you creating all that trouble.
0: There was a knock at the entrance. Commander Ragoza moved away from the carnivorous rose and its still-twitching victim, crossed the rosarium and opened the door for the new arrival. Outside stood Colbert. Or rather, someone who looked exactly like him.
3: Oh, yes. Excellent.
0: The man spoke with Colbert's voice. You wanted to see me, boss?
3: The replicator has done a fine job. Even his own mother would think you were her son. You have even got the voice just right.
0: Thank you, boss. Rogoza shook his head firmly.
3: You mustn't call me boss. Commander will do.
0: Rogoza walked round Colbert's doppelganger and clearly approved of what he saw.
3: You must go and collect Professor Beaks from the Earth Station. I am sure he will accept you as Colbert, for that is whom he is expecting. Take a couple of armed Rose Mariners with you, but they must keep out of sight. They're only needed if he starts to cause difficulties or refuses to come.
0: Very good, Commander. The fake Colbert saluted his chief, but Ragoza held up a hand.
3: You do understand what we are, for want of a phrase, playing for here?
0: Colbert nodded. You know that there are those of us that will always follow you, Commander.
3: Thank you. However, you understand the threat.
0: Colbert's brow furrowed. Threat?
3: Bruno and his friend were going to, how shall I put it, destroy us. So instead of being the victim, I turned Rose Dream on them. You've seen Bruno. That would have been us. I couldn't let that happen. In order to ensure that it never does, we must have an antidote. That is why we need Biggs. However, I want him to come of his own volition. We can't afford to make him suspicious. Only use force if there is no other way. Where are the rest of the 454 staff?
0: In the main auditorium. They are being resacrinated. Rogosa crossed to a monitor and dialed up a channel. On the screen could be seen rows and rows of raked seats, upon each of which sat a uniformed member of the ESS staff, their eyes blank but open. Each of them wore light headphones, and each of them had a glazed expression.
3: They are joining us whether they wish it or not. In a short time they will do anything for the Rose, all of them. We shall return to Rosa Damascena and we shall be the Lords then. We shall become the masters of Betus. And then, the universe.
0: As you say, Commander.
3: Now go and bring me Professor Biggs.
1: On ESS 454, Biggs and the Doctor were getting on like a house on fire. You know Max Pevenkov's work with the distillation of orchids? Of
2: course. Even those ancient and early experiments have proven unusually helpful when exploring alien platforms. And Frank's theories linking the chemical properties in combating human diseases. Both great
1: pioneers. <laughs> they,
2: they were. They were. Uh, how I wish I could have met them. Uh, yes.
1: Well, quite. <clears throat> oh, this is marvellous, Professor. He clapped him on the
0: back happily. Jamie and Zoe, meanwhile, had found a uniform store. It was in a vestibule off one of the main security rooms where banks of screens watched the empty corridors and living quarters. They had dressed themselves up in the very smart uniforms of the ESS staff and were admiring themselves in front of a mirror. How do I look? Very elegant. It suits you and it makes a change not being confronted by your knees. What's wrong with my knees? Oh, nothing. It's just nice to see you in trousers. They make your legs look longer, more stylish.
1: Hey, my kilt is stylish.
0: I didn't say it wasn't. I was actually paying you a compliment.
1: Oh, oh right. Uh, sorry, thank you. And you look pretty good too.
0: Oh, thanks. Zoe smiled happily. They returned to the security room and looked at the screens. Jamie pointed at one of the monitors. Hey, look.
1: We can see the Doctor.
0: One image clearly showed the Doctor and Professor still engaged in their conversation. Zoe laughed. (laughs) I wonder if they even notice we left. Jamie spotted something else. Another screen was showing some strange new arrivals in one of the outer corridors. Hey, do you think that's a chap coming to fetch the Professor? Colbert, wasn't it? Could be. But who are those weird creatures with him?
1: trouble if you ask me.
0: The human at the head of the group was flanked by two greeny brown skinned creatures with large heads. Both these strange beings held powerful looking guns in their hands. I wonder if we can get sound. Zoe moved to the console and turned a couple of dials experimentally. After a moment a slightly distorted French voice could be heard coming from the screen. Mariners, I do not. To see you, unless I give you a signal via your relays. I shall now go and fetch you Keep close, but out of sight. Once we are back on Rosemariners, return to your usual duties. The creatures he called Rosemariners nodded and appeared to salute with their weapons. Rose Mariners? I wonder what they are.
1: Wherever they are, they're clearly up to no good. Oh, they're right by the lab. We'll never get back in time to warn the doctor and the professor.
0: Then I think we should stay here, watch and see what happens.
1: Whatever those creatures are, they're armed, and I haven't seen anything resembling a weapon among the stuff
0: here. Switching from screen to screen, monitor to monitor, Jamie and Zoe watched as Colbert headed to the common room. At the doors to the room, the two armed aliens slipped quietly out of sight, and Colbert rapped on the door.
1: Inside, the professor and the doctor ceased their conversation and opened the door.
2: Introduce the Doctor,
0: a fellow scientist.
1: Kolber barely reacted as he entered the room.
0: There has been a change of plan. Earth is sending you to help the Rose Mariners with a major plant problem.
1: Oh, oh, oh really? Oh, what a shame. It would appear you're straight back to work and I'll just uh, get in the way. Well, it's been delightful to see you, Professor Biggs. I hope we uh, meet up again soon. Uh, I must be off. Kolber held up his hand and, somewhat apologetically, told him that would not be possible.
0: I think Commander Rugosa would very much like to meet a colleague of Professor Biggs. Just to greet you, you understand. Then you can take his good wishes back to Earth. And they will know that the new arrangements are working. You must come with us, Doctor.
1: Uh,
2: well, I, uh, I, I suppose. Uh,
1: he looked at Biggs, who was looking at Colbert with mild surprise.
2: You are taking this very calmly, Colbert. I didn't think you were a man who liked the unexpected. And I must confess, this business with the Rosemariners seems more than a little out of the ordinary. Perhaps you can contact your headquarters from here, Professor. Kolber interrupted again.
0: Oh, that won't be necessary. I've already been in touch. Everything has been explained. The decision was taken that we should help if we can. It is your reputation, Professor, that has brought the Rosemariners here. Everything has been agreed with headquarters back on Earth.
1: But the closure... Kelber shook his head.
0: It was my misunderstanding, Professor. I'm sorry. We're only temporarily closing down because you have to deal with their rose problem in their laboratories. The transfer of plants posed too great a difficulty for it to be handled here.
1: Are we allowed to know the nature of these problems? Kelber shrugged.
0: Not being a scientist, I felt it was better that such details be explained to Professor Biggs directly by Commander Rugosa. But I understand it has intergalactic consequences if we do not come to their assistance.
2: And there I was, putting you down as the strict bureaucrat and all the time you were flexible.
0: Oh, Professor, you pull my leg.
2: Kilbear laughed.
0: But this is like a mission of mercy, shall we say.
2: Then in that case, Doctor, please, would you join me? I would value your advice when we learn the nature of these problems.
1: Biggs and the Doctor exchanged a look. Uh, Very well, I I shall. Uh, Thank you. Colbert smiled.
0: Then, if you will kindly follow me. Up in the security room, Jamie and Zoe were still watching and listening. What should we do now?
1: When they go, we follow and I sort of feel we'll be safer to stay dressed in this new uh, get-up.
0: It was the same as that of the Frenchman.
1: Precisely.
0: On the screens, the Doctor and Biggs marched down the corridor behind the doppelganger Colbert, unaware of the armed Rose Mariners falling in behind them as they passed.